<laughs> so, you are listening to a discussion on the Distraction Network. Usually, it's me and Prentez, or Prentez and I. Um, <laughs> but today, it's just me. Why? Because it's Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> and everybody likes to watch football. I don't watch football, though. We'll get into that later. But usually this is a conversation between people to discuss current events. Sometimes we joke. Sometimes we laugh. We're always here to have a good time, though. Um, we are not experts. I'm not experts. But we try to give you more than what you would get. If you was to listen to a biased news station, so um, <laughs> sit back and listen to this discussion. Got my six sports on today. And I'm back. <laughs> All right. So as I alluded to earlier, I want to speak to you guys about a couple of things today. Um, we're going to start off with Kaepernick and the Super Bowl. Today is Super Bowl Sunday. It is February the 7th. And on Super Bowl Sunday, it feels like all of America goes to watch the Super Bowl. Uh... Uh, Printer said it started at 6.30 today. Um, I did send him a text earlier. It was like, yo, um, I know you go watch Super Bowl today. Don't worry about coming in. <laughs> we record on Sunday. So he, he told me that he that wasn't the issue, um, but he still needed to do something today. So um, he opted not to come in. However, most of America today, well, most of the people that I know. It's watching football. So um for long time listeners, long time listeners, you guys know that I have stopped watching football because Kaepernick was wrongfully removed from being able to play in the NFL. Kaepernick who has more skills than at that time, at least 25 quarterbacks in the league would not be signed to a football team. Why? <laughs> because he knew in respect to the flag because he didn't want to pledge allegiance to the flag while cops was out killing people. This happened, shoot, years ago. Um, <laughs> I done lost count. I think this is the fourth season. Yeah, we're going to say fourth season. Um, I guess I should have looked up when Kaepernick was um, wrongly removed from football. 
but it seems like this is about the fourth season. So we're going to say fourth season. So five seasons ago, five seasons ago, Kaepernick started, well, it's noticed that he did not pledge allegiance to the flag. Um, he was in, he was approached about it, and he gave his reason why. But he also took time to speak to veterans. The veterans said, because veterans believe that we fight so that someone who wants to protest can protest. We fight for the freedoms of Americans. I'm a veteran myself. Um, we fought for the freedoms of regular American citizens. We take our freedom, we give it away so that we can protect everyone else's freedom. When you join the military, you lose all your freedoms. You no longer have any freedom um, to do what you want to do. Now, what they do is try to make it seem like you have freedom. So they give people liberties small liberties however you also have to abide by the ucmj and the ucmj it's a bunch of military laws that basically govern the way that you act um when you're on base the way that you act out in the civilian world and the way that you act as an ambassador when you go overseas so anytime you violate the ucmj you have the opportunity to be reprimanded. Uh, you are reprimanded by your command first, and if it's anything bigger, then Jack gets involved. So, as you sign your life away, you go into boot camp or whatever, as long as you are a sailor or a soldier or an airman, you fight for everybody's right to protest. You fight for all the freedoms that they have. So anyway, um, Kaepernick had this conversation with a bunch of veterans, and the veterans said the best thing to do would be to kneel. <laughs> and uh, I understand that because just a couple of years before him, there was this football player named Tim Tebow. And Tim Tebow... kneeled in protest <laughs> um during the american whenever the um star spangled banner uh um the anthem came on national anthem came on my phone is vibrating and it's disrupting me I'm sorry but um whenever tim tebow kneeled that was a couple of years before Kaepernick. no one had anything to say they actually gave him spotlights for kneeling and praying during the national anthem so Colin Kaepernick doing the same thing a couple of years later should not be bothering anyone right and yes it did a bunch of uh MAGA I I, I call um, racist people MAGA now so a bunch of rap MAGAs <laughs> got together and decided that wasn't what they wanted to hear and the disappointing thing to me is that no one no one stood up for Kaepernick. And I'm saying it like this now. Um, 
not enough people stood up for him then, and virtually no one is standing up for him now. Um, we call ourselves United Black People. We stand up for each other, but in a time where a company decided, don't get me wrong, companies are private. They could do whatever they want to do. So if that's your argument, yes, they could do whatever they want to do. They don't have to have him on that field. But we are consumers, and we felt like that was the wrong thing to do, um, more than just black people. So if we feel like that was the wrong thing to do, I feel like we should have set out longer. I've been sitting out for all four seasons. Um, some people set out for a game or two, but they could not inconvenience themselves enough to just leave it alone. And that that's just, I guess, my uncles and everything said growing up, that's just tough titty. <laughs> um, so... I understand why everybody's doing that. That's that's just a comfort, especially in 2020. That's a comfort. Um, people want to watch their teams. They are used to rooting for their teams. I was a Carolina Panther fan. Um, so the last thing I remember is uh, Cam Newton being a star quarterback in the NFL. Uh, yeah. Who else was playing back then? Let me see. Who was on? Um, people go look and see how far out I am. So, <laughs> let's see. Cam Newton was the Carolina Panther quarterback. Who was the running back? I can't even remember who the running back was. Um, I think that fast dude was still on. Ted again, I think he was still on the team. Um, Luke. What's that dude name? Luke? Yeah, Luke Keekley. That's his name? Yeah, he was he was the middle linebacker. Kept knocking himself out. I can't imagine he's still in. Um, <laughs> um, who else? Who else? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, oh, the uh, blindside dude was on the team. O'Hare. I think they had, we had them brothers on the team, too, on that line. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Either it was the brothers or one brother retired and his brother took his place or whatever like that. But they all suck. And I kind of figured that Cam Newton would not be playing football too much longer because they you have a run style quarterback. You have the strongest quarterback in the league and you will put the sorriest line out there. So <laughs> uh, I don't think he'll last long. Didn't think he'll last long. But I don't watch football anymore, so I don't know what's going on with him now. Um, so I I am definitely disappointed in the way the black community didn't stand together for Kaepernick because the TV ratings was dropping pretty hard, and then um, the narrative was just changing pretty quickly. I think it was really like week ten that year, everything was returned back to normal. So I don't know. I still watch my basketball. <laughs> and the Super Bowl or the Kaepernick parties that's going on today, I, I salute those. And, I mean, I don't watch football. I'm not going to drag people for watching football. But 
I just feel disappointed in us as a community. So I had to speak on that today. So, I mean, the Super Bowl is today. I don't give no fucks about it. <laughs> um, To me, it is not worth going against my principles to follow the crowd. So um, I kind of know who's playing football today because we, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, I think last week too, um, on the podcast. But it, it's not worth me going against my principles to turn on the TV and watch a Super Bowl. Um, and I really hope in the future that we get a lot better with protecting each other or siding with each other because other races do it. Like, they stick with each other. If you don't believe me, think about January the 6th. Think about the um, activities in Hong Kong a couple of years ago. They stick together. They will fight for each other. And we I just don't see enough of that in the African-American community. All right. So, <laughs> next chapter. I'll be right back after this commercial. And I am black. <laughs> so, today... It's your lucky day. You get to hear me talk about myself. Um, so I come to you today um, as a podcaster, um, the co-host of the Discussions Podcast. Um, the Discussion Podcast alone has had uh, one, two, three, four co-hosts all together. Um, we started out with Dre and D, and we moved to Prentez, Prince. Um, he has a bunch of lame names he like to call himself, so I ain't gonna call him out um, because he's not here. But he knows it. They lame. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> I also have like Freestyle Friday. I run uh, in your shoes with um, Kelly and Amy. I ran a um, what is it called? Kicking it with Christy Love. Um, so we, we've had a bunch of podcasts run through this network already on um, the distraction podcast, which is, which turned into discussions. Um, if you look onto the website, there are plenty of things to do on the website, but <clears throat> the distraction network started. Oh yeah. The make America America brand. Um, that is, Oh, we have an, a new line of clothes coming out for this summer. It should be out in about a month or so, but we're going to say this summer because um, of the reason I'm talking to you right now. Now, me, myself, personally, at one point in time in my life, I was a perfectionist. Like, I wouldn't. My background is I started my, my first career move was rapper. When I was in high school, I was a rapper. I would drive down to Augusta, Georgia as a senior by myself and try to join talent shows because Georgia is where the rappers were. Um, I would do talent shows in my hometown. I was doing talent shows, eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade. Um, and I had an incident one time when I ended up getting booed off stage for freestyling. I cursed and they turn your mic off and you curse in a, in a high school freestyle contest. 
So <laughs> when they turned my mic off, it was an Apollo-style crowd. So I got booed off stage. And then I came on about 30 minutes later. Was gonna, uh, I, I, I remixed, huh? No, no, no. You understand. The Juvenile song, you understand. I remixed it. And when I came on, the uh, DJ put the wrong record on. So they was playing the first thing I did, which was a freestyle I was doing. And I didn't want to do that anymore because it was time for my remix that I wrote, that I prepared for, that I knew by heart. And since he put the wrong record on, I was like, nope, nope, wrong record. Crowd booed me off stage again. <laughs> so after that, um, that was like April. I started being more perfectionist when it came to doing music. Um, basically when it came to everything. So by that time I was living on my own, uh, joined the Navy. Um, while I was in the Navy, I worked on my craft every single week. I'm saying every single week. So, um, at first I couldn't, I was in boot camp and boot camp. I would make up rhymes in my head and they called me Ricky radio. Uh, in boot camp because I would make songs up in my head um, and I would <laughs> chant them out. So um, anybody who ever been in uh, ROTC, they know about marching. I was in Army ROTC in high school. So I joined Navy and in the Navy, no one knew how to march. My command did not know how to march. No one knew how to march. Well, out of about I think we started out with like 98 people. Out of those 98 people, maybe five of us already knew how to march. So I'm 17 years old. I'm already the best marcher <laughs> in my command. So um, during that whole time, um, boot camp just made me feel like I was more perfect. So. Um, getting out of boot camp, I went to my A school, I went to my ship. And once I got to my ship, um, I did my first underway, I uh, went out to sea. And then when I came back, I was like, shit, I need to find a way to occupy myself. So I bought a radio, put it in my office. I bought a VCR, put it in my office. And then we went out to sea. I started recording myself, like playing instrumentals in the background, making songs and recording myself. Um, but I would try to manipulate the way I played the song in the background to be able to spit over it. <laughs> so I'm recording myself on a computer with music playing in the background off a speaker. And I was trying to make the best record I could make while I was out in the middle of the ocean. And I used to write my poems and everything that way. So I worked on rapping the whole time I was gone because the reason why I left was to be able to fund my rap career without selling drugs. <laughs> um, but being out in the middle of the ocean, you know, you don't have a way to go see people and meet people and all this other stuff. So um, when I took my short command, I basically started my first record label and that was pretty hard to do 
not not the steps. The steps was easy. But one of the things I didn't think of was I lived in Charleston, South Carolina. And in 2004, uh, it was basically a rap war. Like, not with rappers. But the city and the government, local government, didn't want rap to be on display in Charleston. They didn't want to be known for that because they want to be the holy city. Which is why if you see pictures of Charleston, they like to show the skyline with the crosses and shit. However, um, it's not really a holy city. It's a city that was scared of black people, so they built a whole um, private militia <laughs> and then changed it to a school named the Citadel because they were scared of black people. Um, <laughs> so it's, it was still like that early 2000s. It might, it's changing a little bit now because so many people don't move from out, out of the area into the area. And when you put Democrats into an area, it starts changing because people know how the world works. But with all that old money running around in Charleston and everybody farming, everybody done passed down, everybody living here was either slaves or owned slaves through generations and generations. When I say everybody, it's not really everybody, but when I first moved here, you could tell it was a difference between where I'm from, which is an hour and a half away from here, and where I was currently at because it felt different. Black people was different. White people was different. So that's the environment I moved into. I started record label in. When I first started performing, I used to pretend that I was a R&B singer. <laughs> in order to perform in Charleston. Um, but then I was able to pull out of Charleston, and I started performing in Somerville, uh, Orangeburg, went back to my old stomping grounds in the seven cities of Virginia, started, I would do hole-in-the-wall clubs there, hole-in-the-wall clubs in Columbia, on down to Augusta. So while I was in the Navy, um, Knowing I was getting out of the Navy, that's what I would do. So, um, it turned out being very good. I ended up uh, funding, well, I got out of the Navy, but I funded my life um, through music for a long time. Um, let's see. Anyway, for a long time. <laughs> um, so, I, I kind of feel like I was successful at being an artist because I was able to pay my bills as an artist. I was able to try to help people. I was able to help people out as an artist. However, taxes. <laughs> Nobody told me about taxes. Anyway, so that that section of my life passed as um, it was ups and downs in the area of my life. So to me, there's all as long as I can see a way to progress through things, it's okay with me. I done learned how to navigate through a lot of water. So that's that's what I was doing, just navigating through the waters. Um, I ended up going to Atlanta. I moved to Atlanta um uh, only to find like better connects to plug. Because in Charleston, again, I was working hard as hell in order to cover bills and stuff like that. But I knew people in Atlanta that was barely doing anything and coming back with racks. <laughs> so 
I wanted to build a connect there. And I knew if we could start getting ourselves on Atlanta radio instead of Charleston radio, she could blow it quicker because it's the same complaint today. Um, Charleston doesn't support their own artists. They support other artists, whatever. So they'll support the artist that comes in town, but they won't support their own artists. I personally felt like that was not really true. I felt like the opportunity was never there because the infrastructure was always set in place for local artists to have it harder. So when I would leave and go to Columbia and perform, when I would leave and go to Orangeburg and perform, I didn't have any other issues I was having in Charleston. <laughs> um, and I wanted to get a bigger connection. I moved to Atlanta for a couple of years. When I moved to Atlanta, um, I had already had my degree. Um, my brother told me I need to go get a degree, so I went and got a degree. But when I was in Atlanta, I started working working in my degree um, because I was new in town. I had to start meeting people. So, <laughs> um, but a lot of things happened there. Where I ended up um, losing the studio back home. Um, not due to mismanagement of whoever I left in charge of the studio here, but I kept, I basically built a home studio out of the garage of the apartments I lived in up there. But while I was up there doing that, I started getting into other arts, other form of arts. So podcasting, listening to other podcasts, uh, listening to radio shows, because I didn't listen to radio shows like that. Um... But basically finding out that radio shows had podcasts, listening to that, started getting into like the the way Twitch started out, watching people video game. I started getting into watching people video game, but there was no Twitch back then. So I started having other ideas while I was podcasting. I, I wanted to build my second website and all this other stuff. So um, I ended up having some personal issues that I talk about all the time, but do for time. I'm not going to do it today. Um, personal issues brought me back to South Carolina and I knew I didn't, because I was in Atlanta seeing how easy it was to make the money and to get around the people and to make the connections because I am a people person. So, um, after being around all these people, these rappers, um, seeing how it's really done meeting all these people, I didn't want to come back to South Carolina and try to <laughs> do it again. And this time I was coming back with children so um i had obligations and i chose to go ahead and have a regular career but i had all this recording equipment and i was also getting um what you call it depressed i was getting depressed because i had no way to let out any kind of artistic being or um let people know how I was feeling. I used music to discuss how I was feeling. A lot of my first music came out. People didn't. People thought it was uh, New York style stuff. But the, what was really happening was while everybody was talking about bling bling, I was talking about the hood. Uh, <laughs> so um, I ended up lightening up and doing songs with a bunch of other people because my songs was all about hood life or the stuff that I was going through. 
and but I could jump on the track with somebody else and talk about the stuff that doesn't mean anything like cars and <laughs> all the other stuff because I could actually rap I still could rap I just one maybe I'll do another thing another time I did a song last year I did two songs last year on um, four people but um so it brings me to now um I basically I when I jump into things I jump into it full fledged um when I started rapping the first time <laughs> and the second time I started businesses and um pushed myself to do it the way I know how to do it. I didn't want to be a slave to somebody else or sign to someone and have to push their agenda. I wanted to do it on my own. So when I started my podcast network, same way, I offered a couple of people to come aboard, um, and one of them did, one out of two did. And we started pushing it uh, that way. Uh, I had support from my first two co-hosts, uh, just to get it off the ground. And that's what we did. Um, but I put my foot into everything I do. So I've spent a bunch of money on the on setting up servers and putting a website together. I started uh, just pushing really, really hard to have content. And basically what it does is it gives me an outlet without having to go sit down and do music. Um, because quite honestly... The reason why I don't do music is I've been in school for my master's and my doctor's degree for the last four years, three years, four years, something like that. Um, and with me doing my doctor's degree, I don't have the time to sit down and write rhymes to a beat. So I basically do my podcasting as a substitute for music. But I take it all seriously. Like, I don't come in here and just freestyle off the um dome when i come in here i try to give you guys some good content um i am also stretched from end to end all the time so i do when i take time out to do a podcast i try to give you guys a real podcast like something that you can vibe to so that is why i'm here i'm here to provide content to you guys about the black community or current events in general because we need a voice um and at one point my voice was rapping uh now my voice is in podcasting and that's the way i can get information out to people or let people know that somebody out there feels different than mainstream because a lot of things that I say is different from mainstream. I don't, I don't really follow a crowd. <laughs> um, case in point, if I not getting too deep in it again because of time restraints, but I could have been signed. Uh, it's about twelve years ago. What year is this? Two thousand twenty-one. I think it was two thousand nine, two thousand ten when my offer came through, and I didn't do it. Um, and there's been a couple offers to join podcast networks, but I didn't do it because the restrictions that I have to follow. Um, now I don't mind building my own thing from the scratch, but I don't want to give someone 90% of my <laughs> what I do and not have a say in what I do. I need a say. 
So, um, with that being said, that is why I'm here. I'm here to give you guys a different point of view. I know some people are scared to talk, especially like last year. Um, there was a lot of people scared to talk about or against the president of the United States or things that are going on in the community. But we have to. Like, someone has to speak out there. Like, I'll be telling people, like, our last revolutionary, for real, was Tupac. They killed his ass. Um, now, we had another one coming along in Nipsey Hussle, but he was not, like, as big as Tupac. He wasn't as big as Malcolm and Mark and Martin and Fred and um, Sam and all them. But we 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 need a voice. And I'm not trying to say I am that voice, but if I could be that voice for somebody, I'd be it. It's no problem. But that's also why I podcast. Like you're gonna you're gonna hear it. And for people that like the magas out there, <laughs> um, they need to know that people think like this. Like if they don't hear, if they are hearing nothing but racist bullshit all day, and they don't hear it from anything different then they're going to believe everyone believes like they believe believe me the only reason why i be on facebook now is to go on MAGA groups and talk to them about themselves <laughs> because when you argue with people I, I don't really argue but when someone says something so absurd then all you have to do is present to them the facts they can argue the facts, but you can't argue fa I mean, you can argue facts without facts, but you look stupid. And I just like to keep pointing that out to them. But that's all I'm going to talk about right now. We're going to go to the next session right after these messages. Hey, y'all. This is Kelly. And this is Amy. And this is our podcast, In Your Shoes. Recording out of Lynx Recording Studios in Somerville, South Carolina. Need advice on love, parenting, money, success, or anything else life has thrown your way? We are your girls. You ask, we tell, and we give it to you straight. Visit our Facebook page, In Your Shoes, the podcast, to ask your questions. If you want to remain anonymous, submit your questions in Messenger. Find us on iTunes, at Distraction Network, or any place you can download your podcast for free. That's In Your Shoes, the podcast. I-N-Y-O, parentheses, U-R, parentheses, dash, the podcast on Facebook and Messenger. I forgot the word shoes. Shit. And I'm back. So, woo, it's the Black Positivity time. <laughs> I need a drop for that. Hey, so this week, I want to talk about Kamala Harris. Whew. Kamala Harris um, is, um, you're going to hear me talk about her so much. She is the first woman vice president. Her husband is the first second husband. <laughs> um, she's the first person of Asian descent as a vice president. And she is also the first black woman as the vice president also the first black person as the vice president so 
I like to give it up to her. <laughs> um, and since it's Black Positivity, she did something last week. Um, that's gonna forego this week as well. But um, she did something that I think is very positive to the community. Now we know last year we had former President Donald Trump in the middle of a pandemic refused to acknowledge it until it acknowledged themselves. And again, my my town that I live in, Charleston, South Carolina, the man said that the coronavirus was a hoax by the Democrats to try to spoil the election for him. He didn't say those exact words. It's verbatim, but that's what he was going for, and I'm pretty close to exactly what he said. Um, but I'm going off memory, so I have to say those are not his exact words. Um, but he refused to provide aid to people. He refused until he was made to to lock this motherfucker down. He refused to tell people to wear a mask. We had a podcast with my daughter that she knows wear a mask. He he basically refused to help the coronavirus in any way, even when he called it himself. He refused to help people understand how dangerous the coronavirus was. And because of him, we're reaching, we're probably going to hit at least 500,000 deaths. And to show you how important it was to just do the basic things, as soon as Biden started changing policies and requesting that cities do this and that, and the cities start doing this and that, things went down sharply as of February the 7th. Um, but... Kamala Harris, the tiebreaker, and all the Democrats helped usher, a few Republicans from the House helped usher in a new bill to help the people fight against coronavirus. Now, they haven't come out and said it fully yet, but the news has been alluding to hey, we bought millions and millions, 200 million um, vaccines from Pfizer or 200 million for Moderna, whatever. They bought a lot of vaccines. Some are missing. (laughs) Why are vaccines missing? There are also issues with distributing the um, vaccine. So, Here's what I want to talk about in the bill real quick. That $1.9 billion bill. I'm sure you don't know. can't remember. Uh, I guess I should look it up. So $1.9 trillion bill that was signed um, has a few things with it. First of all, I just noticed that when I looked on CNN, it is a $3,000 child benefit relief package. 
Mm. So that I think that was three thousand per child that they was talking about. Whew, I got six kids. Come on, baby. <laughs> well, um, first of all, we'll go through. Um, so it was voted on that people should have two thousand dollars, a check for two thousand dollars. So they only got six hundred dollars. So Biden pushed it on for fourteen. Um, so you're gonna get the other fourteen hundred dollars soon. So that will help all the Americans, and they they want to target it more. But there's going to be problems with targeting this bill because you're. If you say people that make fifty thousand dollars and below can get this, then you're not taking cost of living into effect. So. A person making $50,000 that lives in my hometown, Batesburg, Leesville, South Carolina, their life is a hell of a lot different than a person making $50,000 even living in Charleston, South Carolina, let alone Brooklyn, New York, or L.A. $50,000, you can, you live in a motel somewhere. You poor. Um, <laughs> but in $50,000 in Batesburg, Leesville, you, you, ain't, you ain't rich, but you got some monies. Because the minimum wage is $7.25. And most people make minimum wage. Not most people. Most people make closer to minimum wage than makes the $15 an hour that they're proposing. And you know what that means? Most people are somewhere in the $15,000 a year range. In these small rural towns like Baseball, Leesville, South Carolina. So... You have to take cost of living in effect if you're going to target. But for right now, as it is written, everybody that received that $600 will receive a $1,400 paycheck. Um, they top off the jobless benefits. So if you, are, if you have no job right now, they're going to continue to pay you to sit your butt at home. And people get mad at that right now. But as of right now, because... Businesses are down. Um, we we can't do anything past like thirty percent capacity sometimes, fifty percent capacity sometimes. We need people to sit at home. We need productive people to sit at home because the more people that's out, the more deadlier the virus is gonna spread. And again, the issue is not this virus is gonna kill people. Because we know that it can kill people. The issue is, oh, this virus is going to hit so many people so hard that we're not going to have hospital beds for people. And if we don't have hospital beds for people, they're going to die. If it gets severe and you need a hospital bed, they don't have one for you, you're going to die. If so many people have it and it gets severe for you and you need a hospital bed, you get a hospital bed, but there's not enough staff there to make sure that you're okay, you're going to die. More than likely. So that's what we're preventing. We're trying to get it so that not too many people have it at the same time. So, um, so, the topping off jobless benefits. If you ask me, 
if I was president of the United States, it would have to be everybody sit your asses at home for eight weeks or something like that. I already said that. Like, we'll have real essential workers. And the essential workers will be working in hospitals and taking people to hospitals and <laughs> bringing people food. If you need food, you call the number and say, hey, this is what I need, blah, 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 bring it off. So, and those people just be at the grocery store and be checked. And then the stimulus package that I would do would be to pay people basic bills. Like, I would send people money to pay their mortgage. I would send people money to pay their utilities. I would send people money to pay their car payments. Whatever bills they have, that's what they would, they, they're going to get, they're going to pay that. And then everyone would get that check. And plus, the essential workers that goes out and take rapid tests every day just to sit at the grocery store and bring people food when they need it. Drop it on a, a contact list. <laughs> um, they would get extra checks as well. So that's the way I would do it, but that's not the way we're doing it. <laughs> um, so they need to top off jobless benefits to keep as many people home as possible while also letting essential workers go work. What they're calling essential workers. Um, that we're also spreading the uh, coronavirus relief package to states so states can actually roll out the vaccines the way they should be able to. Um, I heard Walgreens is getting, a, or either them or CVS or both, they're going to be getting virus, um, some vaccines now, and they're going to be able to start uh, distributing the virus or uh, giving people their shots soon. And then the most important part is small businesses like me. Um, I have not received any help at all during this pandemic. And I don't think I need it. I mean, I've been paying for my studio out of pocket. I have not been allowing people other than um, anyone recording in the podcast. So I have not had special guests. Uh, I have not... Uh, other than Printez and whenever we start In Your Shoes again, I won't be recording anybody until we achieve herd immunity. Um, by then, everyone should at least have a shot. If they don't have a shot, that's because they didn't want a shot. But um, me and my partner and our families will have taken the shot by then, and then everyone we could start reopening the studio. So I mean I, I've been planning paying everything out of pocket. However, I can afford to, and there's a lot of small businesses out there that cannot afford to, and those businesses need help. So thank you, Kamala Harris, for all that you have done, and being the tiebreaker, along with all of the other Democrats. And a few Republicans in the House that helped get this $1.9 trillion bill passed. <laughs> All right, so <clears throat> that's the end of this discussion. We record here at Lynx Recording Studios in Somerville, South Carolina. You can find our podcast, of course, on iTunes. Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and I always like to say the best place to find us 
It's on our website at www.distractionnetwork.com. Uh, you can still listen to our podcast there. Uh, we have a couple of editorials. Whenever we do a YouTube video, we post there. Um, but that is the best place to find us. You can also follow us from the links that's on there, which is our Facebook page and our Twitter page. Um, no matter where you're listening to us at, though, do us a favor. Like, subscribe, leave a comment. And until then, take care. Be safe. Holla. I'm focused on that finish line. Developing a strong mind. Years ago, they stopped making my kind. Yeah, I lose sleep, but it's alright because I'm on the grind.